Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. At Victory, we value love in action through growing, connecting, serving, and giving. We work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. Here's this week's sermon by Pastor Terry Green. I like that song. I was thinking about that this morning. Ed was just sharing a testimony of how they went through difficult times and it was good for them because it caused them to really look at things spiritually, examine things, and I found that true in my own life too. We grow the most, not when everything's going good, but when everything, when we're stretched a little bit. So this morning we're going to be looking in 2 Timothy 3, uh, and we'll be there in just a moment. But I want you to look up at the screen for a minute, and I want you to think about something that people have learned. They're all great at what they do. So great architects and great artists and great athletes and great builders and great doctors and great IT innovators and great janitors and great musicians, great reporters, great scientists, uh, great teachers, writers, even great parents and great kids have all learned this same truth. We have learned that there is a joy of living outside your comfort zone. A joy of living outside your comfort zone. We don't like comfort zones. Some people have comfort foods. And some people have really weird comfort foods like okra. Other people have normal comfort foods like ice cream. Uh, but we all have comfort foods and comfort things and things that we enjoy. Comfortable shirts. I had an awesome shirt when I was in the Marine Corps. It had a big, ugly Marine Corps bulldog on the front. And on the back, it had the backside of a big, ugly bulldog. And Kathy, we didn't own a washer and dryer. She'd go to the laundromat and wash the laundry. And most of the time she went while I was at work. And one day my shirt disappeared. <laughs> Strangest thing. She had no idea what happened to it. Um, but there's a joy in living outside your comfort zone. Because the greatest accomplishments in the history of the world have all occurred outside the comfort zone. By nature, growth moves you outside your comfort zone. You're growing, you're maturing. And even a kid, when they're growing, when they outgrow their clothes, they notice they outgrow their clothes when they get uncomfortable. And the discomfort is a sign of the growth. Growth moves you outside your comfort zone. The greater the growth, the greater the discomfort. We're in 2 Timothy chapter 3, and I want you to join me in verse number 10. Follow along as I read. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. And out of them all the Lord delivered me. Verse 12. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. A pause right there. Think about that. We're going to go back and we're going to read verse 12 together. Everybody read. I'm sorry. Verse, yeah, verse 12. We're going to read verse 12 together. Everybody ready? 
Okay. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. We have the idea that when you walk with the Lord, good things happen. When you're with the Lord, you're just blessed. Well, there are blessings and there are good things, but sometimes God allows the most painful experiences of life to be experienced by those who are walking with him, following him, pursuing him. So it's not that following Christ is a get out of trouble free card. It's the exact opposite. When you follow Christ, you know you will have problems. They go, they go together and you will have persecution. We'll talk in a moment about what we mean by that persecution. Right? Look at verse 13. But evil men and impostors or false prophets will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. If they truly believe some of the things they're teaching, they're deceived. And they're deceiving others, whether intentionally or otherwise. Then he says in verse 14, but you, what's the next word? Must. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Some of you kids, you've grown up in a Christian home. You, you've parent, How many of you adults did not grow up in a Christian home? Raise your hand. We got quite a few around the room. Did not grow up in a Christian home. And it's easier to follow the Lord when you're taught it from the time you're a young kid. Mm -hmm. I won an award for memorizing Bible verses years before I trusted Christ as my Savior. Because that's what was required by my parents and our church. Uh, so, uh, but I want you to think about being outside your comfort zone. Isn't that an awesome picture? When Megan showed me that picture, I just cracked up laughing and said, we got to use that. I love those eyes. Peeking out of that comfort zone. We love to be in our little bonds. And so now we're outside our comfort zone. I want you to think about some things. And we're going to walk through this passage of scripture as we look at it. Number one, discomfort is natural. Discomfort is natural. It's natural. There's times, there's moments, there's places where we feel a little awkward. I know that some people are really feel really awkward trying to share Christ with other people. And uh, we have a, an evangelist that we support, Pete Rice. Uh, he's going to be here to speak for us in a few weeks. But Pete Rice was talking about being on an airplane once, and he was... Uh, feeling nervous, he felt like maybe he should witness to the guy next to him, but the guy next to him really was a rocket scientist. He could look at the stuff he was working on and see, this guy was a rocket scientist, and Pete felt nervous, and he felt afraid to share it, and then the guy next to him said, do you know the Bible very well? Because Pete had his Bible out. Pete said, yeah, and he said, you know, I wish I knew something more about it. And then Pete started witnessing to this guy. But he was afraid to do it. He's an evangelist. He spends his life sharing about Jesus. And he felt nervous and discomfort because he thought maybe he should talk to this guy. So it is normal to have discomfort. It's natural. 
Now, Paul talks about some of the discomfort things in his life, and the first thing he says is, my doctrine. What's uncomfortable about doctrine? Well, Paul invested intense and intentional study and examination of every part of Scripture. He, he looked at it, he studied it, he evaluated, he made connections. He didn't have a nice convenient Bible like this or the one you guys are clicking on. He had scrolls that he had to carry around and study from. He memorized the equivalent of roughly 6,000 verses through the Pentateuch. Plus, he had to memorize all of the rabbinical teaching about it. And if you ever look in the, the Mishnah and the Gemara in the Jewish scripture, so it would be like the scripture part would be about this much. And then all the rest of the page would be what significant rabbis said about that portion of scripture. Paul memorized all of that for 6,000 verses. He memorized all through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. He had to memorize that as a Pharisee. And then he spent many years of his life after he trusted Christ and studying scrolls and connecting ideas and memorizing passages and teaching the truths of Scripture. Doctrine is not easy. It takes work and effort and toil. And Paul said, you've, you've known my doctrine. My manner of life. He had difficult travels. He was an itinerant minister. So he traveled a while and, and he walked thousands and thousands of miles witnessing for Christ. He traveled without having a nice cool motorcycle to ride or a car to be in or a comfortable minivan to cruise down the road. And he traveled when it was difficult and when it was dangerous. And he did. And to the Corinthians, Paul described his self-discipline as exercising self-control in everything. Exercising self-control in everything. He described his spiritual discipline much like a physical and uh, like the physical and emotional training of an Olympic athlete. What does a, an athlete do? Uh, well, it depends on what their athletic pursuit is. Uh, you know, if you're an ice skater, you train a little bit differently than if you're running out in the field and, and you train a little bit differently than if you're playing football or baseball. There's some basics that everybody does, strength training, speed training, but there's also specific. And Paul said he devoted his life to serving the Lord. So he would train like an athlete would to get skill. And he learned to endure hardship and to not lose heart and to not question his faith even when things were difficult. So he said, you know my doctrine, you know my manner of life. And then he said, his purpose. See, Paul was so focused on his purpose uh, that he had no fear of death and no fear of discomfort. He was focused on his purpose. And nothing was going to stop him from achieving that purpose. He would serve Christ faithfully in a castle or in a jail cell. He stayed focused on serving Christ, and it didn't matter how difficult it was. He was going to follow his purpose. What's the next thing he says? His purpose, his faith, or his faithfulness, too. From the moment Paul trusted Christ, his life was characterized by faithfulness and obedience. You remember the first question Paul asked, the book of Acts records, the first question Paul asked after he knew he was talking to the Lord, who are you? And the 
Lord said, I'm Jesus who you're persecuting. Then he, as he looked and he realized he was speaking to Jesus, he asked this question, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? You know, that's a great question to ask this year. Lord, what do you want me to do this year? It might be something a little bit different than last year. Lord, what do you want me to do? How can I pursue you? What can I do? And that's what Paul did. And then he said his long-suffering. Long-suffering. That's a wonderful word. You put up with, you endure. Uh, I've known people that have been in very difficult marriages. Please, Lord, I'm not. I'm grateful and thankful for that. But I know some of you were in long and painful marriages. Uh, Long-suffering. Some of you have had rebellious and obnoxious kids. I didn't have a rebellious or obnoxious kid. I was one, but I didn't have one, by God's grace. But Paul talked about the harassment, the pain, and suffering from Romans and Greeks and Jewish people who rejected Jesus Christ as the Messiah. He also had ministry partners who abandoned him and others who misunderstood him. In fact, when the church at Corinth was kind of devaluing Paul and they were turning away from Paul, Paul wrote to them and he said, I will gladly spend and be spent for you. Uh, for your souls, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I love. 2 Corinthians 12, 15. He said, I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to suffer. He had long suffering. He's writing to people who are neglecting him and saying bad things about him. And he tells them, I'm willing to do even more for your sake. I'm willing to put up with even more. You know, it, I mean, it's kind of like, if somebody robs you and they take all the money out of your wallet and you say, oh, I've got some more in my sock. You want that too? Paul's willing to give extra above and beyond to help these people. <laughs> and then he says, love. His love. Kathy and I were talking about this just last night or this morning in Romans 9, 6, 9, 3. Paul said that he would be willing to go to hell if he could. He'd be willing to go to hell so that the Jewish believers could be saved. Now, we know that that couldn't happen. Each person must receive Jesus Christ all on their own. Each person must ask him to forgive their sins and to be their Savior. But he said, I would do that for you people. Now, Paul was a more generous man than I am. I would do that for my wife. I would do that for my kids. I would do that for my grandkids. I would do that for some of my closest friends. You know, I might even do it for my sister, my brother. You know, but Paul said to people that hated him and despised Jesus, he would willingly go to hell for their sin. That was his love. Uh, each person must trust Christ as Savior, but Paul was willing to do that because he had so much love for them. And then he says his perseverance, his perseverance. Nothing stopped Paul. Nothing. He kept going. He was the Energizer Bunny evangelist for Jesus Christ. Uh, in Lystra, they stoned him and left him for dead. And then what did he do? They dragged him out of the city and left him for dead. What was the first thing he did when he got up from under the rocks? 
Went right back into the city. And then he went on in his missionary trips, and then went to a couple other cities, and then he said, you know what? Let's go back, and we're going to go back here, and we're going to go back to Lystra. He went back again. I, you know, I, I know it might be carnal, but I really kind of like the idea that maybe Paul saw some of those guys that threw rocks at him, and he said, didn't work. I'm still here. I'm still preaching Jesus. Paul was probably more spiritual than I might have been in the circumstances, but he persevered. Then he says, you know my... Oh, by the way, that story is in Acts chapter 14 about Paul and Lystra, if you want to look it up and read it on your own. But then he says, my persecutions. My persecutions. Now, persecutions is a, is a specific word that he uses, and it means a specific thing. It means when enemies intentionally target you. Persecution is not just going through hard times. It's when enemies intentionally target you. Paul was stalked from city to city. He was systematically hunted down by those who rejected Christ. He was pursued. He was hounded. And they hated Christ, and therefore they hated Paul, the missionary for Christ. And Paul said in 2 Corinthians 11 that these persecutions included being severely whipped with 39 stripes. Now, most likely it was the cat of nine tails is what they would do. And they'd throw it across, and then they'd drag it. And inside the leather straps, there'd be pieces of bone or sharp rock or even glass and then they drag that across your back and 39 stripes that it said that 40 stripes could kill a person five times Paul received 39 stripes imagine what his back looked like torn and shredded and then healed a little and then torn and shredded again and then healed a little and then again and then he endured uh, also endured uh, being severely whipped about five times being beaten with rods three times being stoned and left for dead he called it perils by his countrymen and by the Gentiles perils in the city and in the wilderness those were the persecutions when people were out to get him. But he also had afflictions. Afflictions are when life is hard. Life is difficult. A story that Clorinda shared earlier about the, the lady whose husband, that husband, no, you shared it, the brain tumor? Yeah. That, that was yours? Yeah. <laughs> I listened to it. I just didn't track which of you shared Either one, both of the stories that Clorinda shared about the lady who wrote the poems, her life was extremely difficult, and Megan shared about another lady whose life was extremely difficult. Those are afflictions. Afflictions are like I had earlier this year. Nobody was stalking me. Nobody was out to get me. Nobody was hunting me down. My body just decided to attack itself, and it made it really challenging for months. But afflictions were in addition to his persecution. It wasn't enough that dozens of people were stalking him, trying to kill him, but he also endured 
uh, shipwreck and spent more than three shipwrecks. He spent more than a night and a day clinging to ship debris, waiting to be rescued from the sea. He traveled thousands of miles on foot. He endured perilous events, both in the water and by robbers, because highway robbery was very common then as people would walk down the road. Paul said all of these things were difficult for him. And then if you go back and you look at the end of verse 11, he said, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. He endured all of that difficulty, all of that trouble. And then he says the interesting thing that we read together in verse 12, yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. When you live well, when you take a stand for truth, you will have enemies. You will have enemies. In Romans 12, 1, Paul said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. It's your reasonable service. Discomfort is natural. A living sacrifice is reasonable. The second thing that we see is that discomfort is necessary. Discomfort is necessary. Look at verse 13. Evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. The bad guys are getting more bold. The people in our country, our country was loosely founded on Christian principles. It was founded, up, but there was a common belief in a God. There was a common belief in a public accountability and a public acceptance of a God, at least, if not the God and personal belief in Jesus Christ. Now, many of our founding fathers were Christians. They studied the scripture. They communicated scripture. Others were accepting and supportive of Christian beliefs because they realized it made the world a better place. And so even if they weren't believers, they would support it. But we have increasing number of people in our country who attack Christianity, who hate Christianity, and they're waxing worse and worse. So Paul challenged Timothy to endure hardship. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, he said, like a soldier, endure hardship. He didn't say, seek to avoid it. He said, endure it. Endure it. Because imposters are going to grow worse and worse. Evil men. We live in a world that's antagonistic toward those who accept and follow the truth of God's word. Now, Nathan and Krista have a phrase they often say to their eight kids, our older son and his wife and their eight kids. He's often saying, you can do hard things. You can do hard things. I'm going to tell you, as a follower of Christ, you can do hard things. Discomfort is necessary. Uh, have you ever seen a pearl? A genuine pearl, a natural pearl. Where do pearls come from? They, they come from inside oysters. Where does the oyster start making the pearl? Why? Some irritating thing gets in there. And it starts kind of 
spewing this slime over that thing so that it bothers it even less and it does enough of it and you get a big and beautiful pearl without the discomfort of that thing in there there would be no pearl uh, strength training and physical exercise for stronger healthy bodies that's not easy stuff how many of you have ever gone through physical therapy or uh, occupational therapy Therapy isn't as painful usually, but it's just as beneficial. But physical therapy hurts. I remember asking my physical therapist, I said one day, I said, Man, I bet you had to go to school to learn how to hurt somebody this bad. He said, I did, and I was an honor student. <laughs> you know, it, but without that, because of that, I'm better. Without that, I wouldn't have gotten as well said that weirdly, but you know what I mean. Musical practice. How many of you are glad that our musicians practice? They, they practice, they work. Uh, we, we don't walk in before church and say, hey, anybody want to try the piano today? Oh yeah, I'll do it. Blah, blah, blah. No, no that's, that's what would happen if John or I played. You know, we could make a lot of noise. It wouldn't be quite so pretty. Uh, job skills. You learn skills on the job. I, I, we have several people in here who are really good at IT stuff. You know how that happened? They were doing a completely different job. And they woke up one day and said, I bet I'd be good at IT. And just suddenly were great at the job. Is that how it worked? No, it took years of practice and work. Some people do it more naturally, like some people are more natural musicians, but everybody gets better with practice. Learning a second language. You don't automatically speak two languages. Kids can learn it semi-automatically if they grow up in a home where two or three languages are spoken. They can learn it pretty quickly, but it still takes practice. To radically change your diet and habitually eat healthily, healthfully, that's not natural. That takes discomfort. Now, I, we had some donuts before church this morning, and I saw some people enjoying it. I asked one kid, is that your third one already? It's no, just my second. <laughs> you know, I could not eat a donut. If I had eaten one, I wouldn't be up here preaching now. I'd probably be over at Banner in the hospital, but I'm diabetic. Donuts are really bad for diabetics. But when I first had to give up donut, it was really hard. In fact, when I first became diabetic, I didn't want Kathy to bake cookies for the kids. For how long was it? Two years. She never baked cookies for the kids because dad would pout too much. My kids appreciated my maturity. <laughs> but you get better at it over time. Getting a formal education is a challenge. There's a lot of stuff that seems extra and unnecessary that you have to do. Uh, but it's worth it. Aren't you glad that, that Brother Ed got a doctor's degree before he started serving as a doctor, examining people? And Yeah, I'm glad he... He earned the degree to do that. So, you know, if you have to go in there, wait, let me rephrase that. If you get the opportunity to visit him at his place of work as a patient, by the way, he's good at his stuff. So, uh, but if you do that, you want them to have the skills. You don't want to go into surgery and the guy say, 
yeah, I've never done this before, but it looks kind of cool, so uh, you're going to sleep now. No, you wouldn't go for that. Discomfort is necessary. It's essential. Um, but there are some other discomforts that are a little more casual, like saving for retirement instead of spending all your money now, or saving for a rainy day, keeping your mouth shut and not yelling or pouting when you feel upset or angry, being kind when you more easily be a bit snarky, going to doctors and dentists to take care of your body. These are things that are discomfort. I, I love my dentist. She's a friend. I was friends with her husband before I met her. I met her and I liked her. And I, I asked her, I said, so what do you do? And she said, I'm a dentist. I said, you're now my dentist. I don't go to one here in town. I drive all the way to Chandler to see her. And I, and I don't put in my calendar a dental appointment. I say, visit Hillary. And I love her. She's great. She's a friend. But you know, sometimes she makes me hurt for my good. Discomfort is necessary. It's necessary and essential for growth. Third thing I want you to remember, this is big. Discomfort is temporary. It's temporary. On earth, it's normal and necessary, but it's temporary. Romans 8, 18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. The sufferings on earth, the glory in heaven, the sufferings here are temporary. The glory in heaven is eternal. So Bobby's able to be with us here this morning. She had her hip replaced. Praise the Lord, the surgery went well, she's recuperating well. Ralph was a good nurse and caretaker for her for a bit. And you know what? She wasn't excited about having the pain of surgery, but she was very excited about the end result. She was looking past the surgery to the end result, and she's already doing way better than she was before the surgery. Your ultimate comfort zone is heaven. Heaven, where everything will make sense, everything will fit, and you will belong, and you will be loved. Don't expect to be appreciated fully, remunerated fully, or loved fully, or be fully comfortable in this life. On earth it won't happen, but the discomfort we have is temporary. As Paul said to the Philippians in, in chapter 3, verse 20, that our citizenship is in heaven. We already belong there. And someday we'll be there. So the problems here are temporary. Now, this is a theological truth that we understand but don't always appreciate. And that is that God intentionally puts you in places and moments of strategic discomfort. Now, the background picture that I used here are people working out in a gym. They're, they're stretching. Uh, they're stretching their muscles. They're doing some strength training. Um, but God intentionally puts you in places and moments of strategic discomfort. Adam and Eve were in the idyllic Garden of Eden, but their relationship there and their living there was destroyed by sin. God sent Adam and Eve out of Eden 
He sent them to a place of discomfort, and he's been pushing people into, into the discomfort zone ever since. He does it often. God told Ananias that Paul would suffer greatly for his faith. The Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan for 40 days. 40 days of nonstop harassment. And then at the end, the biggest temptations of all. Abraham was told he was going to have a son, that God would provide a son. And he was 75 years old, and he had to wait 25 more years before he had that son. Joseph was 17 when his brother sold him into slavery. He was 30 when he finally got out of slavery by decree of Pharaoh. He spent 13 years as a slave or in jail. Moses lived 40 years on the backside of the desert. And after 40 years, God called him to lead Israel out of Egypt. 1 Peter 3.17, Peter said, It's better, if it's the will of God, for you to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Sometimes when you do the right thing, you suffer. Sometimes when you say the right thing, you suffer. So uh, Paul wrote here in verses 14 and 15 that you must continue in the things you've learned, which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you learned them, and that from childhood you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation. As a, as a kid, you're learning Scripture, the kids that are here, you're learning. Uh, as an unsaved kid, I was taught Scripture, and after I trusted Christ, it became more valuable in my life. And so as you're learning and you're growing, you're preparing for the future that God has for you. But God intentionally puts you in places and moments of discomfort. Now, I use the word strategic on purpose. Because everything God allows in your life, he's going to use for your long-term spiritual good to make you more like Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 28 and 29 teach that. So it's strategic discomfort. See, God is not like your big brother who likes to mess with you a little bit, just to harass you, just, just for their fun and enjoyment. God's not like that. God never wakes up and says, how can I mess with Joel? I wake up wondering how I can mess with Joel today. But God never, never tries to mess with Joel. Everything God allows in your life is for a purpose of helping you grow, helping you mature, helping you become more like Jesus Christ. So it's strategic discomfort. It's not just because, it's for a cause. Totally different. Now, what you and I need to do is you need to get more comfortable living outside your comfort zone. Get more comfortable living outside your comfort zone. So, uh, we, we have to continue in the things we've learned and been assured of. Verse 14 says, you only build and you catch on, you only build spiritual, physical, and emotional muscle when you operate outside your comfort zone. 
outside your comfort zone. Now, when I went to boot camp in the Marine Corps two years ago, the other day, uh, well, when I went to boot camp, I could do like, you know, 12 push-ups and four or five pull-ups. I, I was long and lean and skinny and I, I was a runner. I wasn't a muscle guy. And so when I got to boot camp, um, I was writing Kathy fairly regularly. Do you remember how many letters I'd sent? Like 78. 78 letters in three months. I was just, I was just churning them out, man. I couldn't wait to see her again. And so my sister walked up to Kathy at church one day and said, have you heard anything from Terry? And she said, I get letters from him every day, sometimes two. And my sister said, oh, oh, he can write her and not me. So she wrote me a letter and sent me a card. And on the outside of the letter, the only thing you were allowed to have is the return address and then the address. And so she put a box around those two things to make them stand out. And then she wrote all over the envelope. I love you. I miss you. I can't wait to see you. Now, the Marine Corps had a rule back then for every extra word on the envelope, you had to do 25 push-ups. <laughs> My drill instructor held up that envelope, turned it over, said, Green, you owe me a thousand. <laughs> I ended up doing more than a thousand. Every time we stopped in formation, and no matter where we were going, what we were doing, every time we paused, stopped in formation, my drill instructor would just say, green, I'd drop and start doing push-ups. I went into boot camp, I could do 10, 12 push-ups, you know, in the last two or kind of, I got out of boot camp, I could do 100, just jacking them off, just, just, my sister said I should thank her. I didn't. I didn't thank her. But you know, the truth was, when I got outside my comfort zone, my comfort zone was running. My comfort zone was lots of aerobic exercise and not much um, um, physical training, not much uh, tra muscle training. Um, and so I focused on what I was really good at instead of also working on some other stuff. And I, I got where I was pretty good at doing push-ups, which you know, I can't do quite as many now. And uh, I can do 100, just not all at once anymore. <laughs> But you only build physical muscle by stretching them, breaking some of the fibers so they grow back strong. You only build emotional muscle. You only build spiritual muscle by going through discomfort. So Paul wrote to the Philippians and said, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He also wrote about sharing in the fellowship of Christ suffering. Paul became comfortable even outside his comfort zone, trusting God no matter what. And we can do the same. Today is the first day of a brand new year. It's a great opportunity for you to make some necessary and beneficial changes in your life, adjustments to your life. So I encourage you to get more comfortable living outside your comfort zone, to experience the joy of living outside your comfort zone. So this week, try something new. Eat a new food. Try something new. Uh, try a new workout. Try something different. Invite somebody to church that you've never invited before. Hold your toothbrush in your opposite hand. Try something discomfortable. 
Um, read one of Paul's letters every day. You can start in the book of Colossians and read through Philemon, and they're all pretty short, especially Philemon. They're all pretty short. You can get through them in one sitting and, and just read one a day all this week. Set a timer for yourself. And don't get up, sit down to pray, and set a timer and say, I'm going to pray for 10 minutes. And if you, you know, we do a prayer list we can give out. Uh, Megan emails that out to everybody. You can take the prayer list and you can just start down the prayer list. You can make a list of all our missionaries and read through that um, and set a timer. I'm going to pray for 10 minutes. If you already do that, then set it for 15 or 20. Stretch yourself a little. Move into your comfort zone and embrace the discomfort and learn the joy of living outside your comfort zone. Because that's where the good stuff happens, outside your comfort zone. That's where the good stuff happens. Now, we have a lot of ladies in here who've had kids. I have never heard a lady, even once, say it was comfortable having a kid. But I've heard a lot of women say, my kids are a blessing in my life. Because they went through the discomfort. And I don't know what God plans for you this year, but this I know. There's going to be some discomfort. So what are you going to do about it? Embrace it. Say, God is using this in my life. I'm going to grow in my relationship with him. I'm going to move closer toward Christ because of what I'm going through, not in spite of what you're going through. Embrace the discomfort. Heavenly Father, we thank you that Jesus Christ himself endured the discomfort of the cross for our sake. He, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame. We are so blessed because of the discomfort he endured as a human on, the, on earth, his hunger, his difficulties, and then on the cross, the spiritual weight of bearing the punishment for our sins. We're so grateful and so thankful. We pray that this year we would grow and allow ourselves to be stretched by the strategic discomfort you bring into our life. May we be a blessing to you. May we be a blessing to others. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to know more about Victory, please visit our website at victoryarizona.org. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page or by emailing victory at victoryarizona.org. We'd love to help you accept and follow Jesus Christ.